What is up, guys? Welcome back to the Cooksley Combo. Man, I didn't know I still had that in me. It's been a while. We're back. The podcast is back. Me, your host, Canyon Cooksley, is back. I don't know if you guys missed me, but I certainly missed you. I, I love doing this, and you know, going on a little hiatus was not the plan. It was kind of driving me insane. I just wanted to get back, but you know, with that time off, I got a lot of things done. A lot of things making this podcast feel more complete. The the guests that I have lined up for this season, I've teased them a little bit on my Twitter and on my Facebook and on my Instagram. But yeah, they they are happening. And they they already happened. Some already are recorded. Some I still have to uh, meet with meet with the potential guest, but they're happening and the, the guests are getting crazier by the day. So I'm looking forward to it. And along with the guests, I have a website. I also tease that through my, my social media, but I didn't really expect it to happen anytime soon. And well, it did. So if you haven't checked it out already, go check it out. It is thecooksleycombo.com. So just the podcast name, thecooksleyconvo.com. With this website, I plan to really be the place where you guys find these episodes. This episode and even, you know, season one, episode one with Nolan Meyer. All of these episodes are going to be put on that website. And you can still find them on Spotify, uh, Apple Podcast. Anchor, whatever you guys use, but I just thought this website would make it easier that they're all in really one place and you can, it's a lot easier um, instead of, you know, going back, finding an episode, clicking it, they're all right on one page. You can just click and listen. So that is what's going to be on the website. And then with that, I also have my second wave of uh, merch. So if you didn't get one and you would still like a shirt, a long sleeve shirt or a sweatshirt, they are available on the website. You just got to go to thecooksleyconvo.com, click shop, and the three options are there. And I've had been I've been dealing with a problem that when you go to purchase oh, your, an item, it's not allowing you to give a size. So for the meantime, just message me. My Instagram, all of that is linked to the website. So you can message me on there. But if you know me personally, just shoot me a text. Be like, hey, I ordered this and I'm a, you know, extra large, medium, small, whatever. Just that, just do that for the meantime until I figure out uh, that problem. So those are two going to be the two main things on the website. And then also there's like a contact. So if you have any questions, you know, whether it be you should get this guest on or you know, feedback. I'm, I'm always willing to hear some feedback. So uh, you're able to do that with the website. Um, so for the last time, I'm going to say it one more time. It is thecooksleyconvo.com. And before we get into today's episode, I just want to do some quick shout outs to the people that have really helped me get this whole thing off the ground. Blaze Fangman, Molly Ward, Natalie Swoboda, Jake Cole. Crew Keller and Becca Walhart. You guys have really done more than enough for me. And I can't thank you guys enough from helping me create the website to modeling off my merch to really help me create some ideas to market myself. So thank you guys for that. It's really appreciated and I, I can't thank you enough. Now, with that being said, Let's get into this episode, episode one of season three with Robert Gallery, 2004 NFL draft, second overall pick to the Oakland Raiders, East Buchanan alum. I sat down with him, never really had a conversation with him one-on-one. I've always heard him talk, but never really, you know, a real deep personal conversation with him. And that's what this podcast, this, this episode was. He... He really let me in on some things that I really didn't know uh, happened in the NFL, I guess, whether it be from the NFL draft to um, arriving to your your new team. It's really an entire process. And then I had some fun 
um, oddball questions I threw at him here and there. So he was an intimidating guy. I don't know if you guys have seen him in person, but if you can go to Google Images and look up Robert Gallery, he's a pretty big dude. And even talking on through a computer, he's still a pretty big dude. Uh, but I got him to chuckle. So, you know, that's a good thing, I guess. <laughs> I kind of uh, re reduced the intimidation, if you want to say. So with that being said, it, it's, it's good to be back. I missed you guys. The Cooksley Combo is back. Um, Ten episodes this season. Be on the lookout weekly, Sunday, every Sunday at 8 a.m. Central. You can find it. I will be dropping my website everywhere. So, and if you can't find the website, I said it one more time. I'm going to say it one more time, thecooksleycombo.com. So, no further ado, Robert Gallery. Hope you guys enjoy. There we go. How's that? Good. How's it going? Good. You? Just uh, grinding away with school. It's kind of that point yeah. in the semester where things are starting to get hectic. I bet. Is everything online or how, how they got you guys doing it? Uh, it's all online. You don't, the only time I really go on to a, a campus is for work. So, wow. it, yeah, it's different. Different. I bet. Yeah, it's weird times, that's for sure. Yeah. How, how is moving? Are you are you done or I know you said you were moving. How is pretty close. We're uh, well, our, our house is supposed to, we're supposed to get a final on it because we built it. We've it's been about a two year project. Um, so hopefully tomorrow we get the final on it. We got all our stuff moved up there and like half of it moved. Kind of a work in progress, but yeah, we should uh, we should be in there this weekend. Um, we've been staying in our guest house um, there and then the main house. Like I said, this weekend we should be able to put all the furniture down and um yeah just trying to get kids through school and yeah kind of the same thing everybody's doing where are you moving from and where are you moving to we uh live in the bay area or our house we're moving from is in the bay area we're uh east of oakland probably 20 miles uh and then we're moving up to lake tahoe okay yeah right. so we've got it we've had a place up there for 12 14 years we sold that and then uh been building this house and then we're going to move sell that sell our property here in the bay and uh, move up there full time so yeah we're kind of pretty stoked about it okay yeah that i've never been to the west coast the west coast has always been a place i know you spent uh, a lot of your life there is the west coast really worth it yeah. Maybe. it is i mean the bay area is kind of hit or miss uh you know cool stuff i think it's cool because you're you know where we're at in the bay area you're two hours from the ocean, you know, you're an hour from San Francisco and then you're three hours from Tahoe, but it's not really my scene. I mean, I love the weather and everything, um, but like Tahoe is amazing. It's, you know, it's a little mountain town. It reminds me of, you know, reminds me of like Masonville or Winthrop, you know, as far as like the small town feel um, and just the way that people, people are super nice. It's like a bunch of working class people and um, you just, the, you get the seasons up there, you know, we, we love the snow and all that. So yeah, we're, we're stoked. It's, that part of the country is awesome. I mean, Northern, you know, Northern California, especially like Tahoe, it's, it's unbelievable. Now I want to start back in your, in your high school days, because I obviously was little and I always heard stories that you were this 180 pound, 185 pound guy playing tight end and linebacker. Kind of talk about the love for the game at that age where you, did you know that you were all in for football? No, I think, you know, at that age, it was, you know, it was pretty well uh, embedded in my family. You know, my, my oldest brother, you know, was a multi-sport athlete, Jay, very successful. You know, my brother, Nick, multi-sport athlete, very successful. My sister, Julie, you know, and then me. So I think it was just kind of, it was almost expected in our family. It was, you know, you know, our parents gave us the option, like, you know, you don't have to have a job, but if you're not going to play sports, you're going to come home and work. And we all cho chose to do sports. Um, and it was just, I think the pressure, not that anyone put it on me, um, but it was the pressure of like seeing my older brothers and sister have success. You know, it was like, oh, wow, look at what they're doing. You know, my brother, Jay, um, you know, he was, you know, basketball, like I said, everything, basketball, football, track, it was, it was expected in our family, or at least that's the way I took it, that you do everything. And, 
and you are successful at everything. So watching, you know, him have success, um, you know, then, then to watch, uh, Nick, um, see his success, you know, when he ran track and same thing, football, basketball, baseball. And then my sister, Julie, she was, uh, same thing, you know, as an unbelievable basketball player, uh, you know, unbelievable high jumper and track. Um, for me, it was just like, okay, this is what we do. We're, you know, we're a big, tall family. You know, like I said, I was six, seven, probably, you know, finally by my senior year, I was 200 pounds maybe. Um, but I had the, you know, a big frame and it was more just uh, for me, it was not necessarily thinking about the next level. It was just like, oh, I got to be as good as my brothers or as good as my sister. You know, my my sister was an unbelievable high jumper and uh, she was two years older than I was. So when I was a freshman in high school, um, you know, I was starting to high jump and, and I remember practicing with her, you know, after school and I had to lower the bar because she was jumping higher than I was, you know? So to have your sister, you know, beating you um, you know, in practice, it's like, oh, wow, I got, I got to be better than her, you know, so it was a lot of good, fun family um, pressure. Um, and then, you know, seeing my, you know, all my older siblings, my brother Jay went and played at Co College, um, you know, so seeing him go on like, oh, wow, you can, you know, go on after high school. Um, if you, you do things right, you know, have the grades and, and have the talent, obviously, and then uh, Nick got a scholarship to Iowa, and then being a young, you know, being a uh, junior high student and down at Iowa City watching football games, hanging out with college division one athletes, um, you know, well, wow. So, you know, he kind of got me on the a program that Iowa was doing, you know, like trying to thinking at that point, like, oh, you're, you know, I'm going to be a big kid. Like, you know, if you work, maybe you'll get a chance. And then obviously my sister getting a scholarship to Iowa. Um, it's like, you know, this can, you know, you can get your school paid for, you can, you know, so it was um, all those things that, you know, I kind of learned as I got older growing up and, you know, then, um, you know, seeing, you know, seeing them have success. I wasn't, you know, we were a, a small school, obviously. And, you know, I was, it helped the exposure from my brother, Nick, being at Iowa. Obviously they knew about me, but it's not like I was this, you know, five-star recruit that everyone was recruiting. I, I made my own highlight tapes in, you know, my junior year and sent them out for football. Cause I football kind of became my love. And, you know, I knew, I knew I was going to, you know, at some point grow into a, you know, I had a huge frame at 180 pounds. So I knew I could be a, a very big kid. Um, so I sent my own videotapes out, my own highlight tapes, you know, on HS, uh, you know, the, the day and age of recruiting them was much different. So it was more just the love of sports and, you know, my parents were athletic, everybody in my family was, and it was like everyone trying to outdo everyone. I, you know, I broke my brother Nick's high school um, high jump record. You know, I still have it. You know, I broke, I broke his and, 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 you know, my brother Nick and sister Julie being the first, you know, uh, uh, student athletes from East Buchanan to go to division one colleges on scholarships, um, all those sorts of things. So it, was, it was more just the, the family, um, camaraderie and, and I guess there was pressure that we all put on ourselves to uh, you know not uh, to, to, to outdo the next person or to you know try and be as good as, as uh, our older siblings. Yeah I think you know personally for me I you know kind of that inner competition of the family is definitely something that drives a lot of athletes and I, I want to talk so you were talking about how completely different the recruiting process was back then when were your first talks with Iowa? Like, what kind of was it like uh, when they first showed interest in you? And did you know it was a done deal right then and there? Um, you know, like I said, being down and around the program uh, because of Nick, um, you know, I was, I was younger. But as I got, you know, he, Nick played from 93 to 96. I obviously graduated in 99. So as, you know, he was a senior, I was getting to be a freshman. Right. So they saw that I was a, you know, six, five at that point, six, 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 seven, you know, kid, huge frame, but little, you know, stick, you know, I'm sure they saw that me being down there, but really not till my, you know, my junior year, I think, um, you know, I, I'd sent some after my junior year, sent some tapes out. They had recruited me a little bit, you know, like I said, back then you didn't, you know, they didn't talk to juniors very much, you know, so it was, it was very minimal even my junior year I think I went for an unofficial uh, junior visit but that's probably a, a lot to do with my brother Nick being there 
Um, and then after my junior year, going into my senior year, then I started, you know, after I'd sent those videos um, out, you know, I started getting some letters. I got, you know, all over the board, D3 schools, um, you know, some D1 schools. I had um, uh, Northwestern, Purdue. Those are places I ended up getting offered uh, full rides to, um, took visits. But, you know, Iowa, um, you know, being down at the games and then when, uh, as a younger kid and then as they started recruiting me, uh, Coach Elliott, you know, talking with him every now and then, taking the, the visit. I went to the football camp going into my senior year because I knew that'd be good exposure. Uh, I think they saw some stuff there, and then they really, that's when they really started talking to me. Um, but it wasn't, um, you know, I think they saw me as an athlete. Um, I think they obviously uh, liked me, but I didn't get offered a scholarship till, oh, I believe it was halfway through my football season, my senior year. You know, like I said, those were different times then, you know, that there weren't a lot of early, early offers for kids. And, um, you know, at that point, you know, there was a lot of talking before then. And I got that call, um, you know, at some point during the season, my senior year. Okay. And so when you got to the University of Iowa, you, did you redshirt, correct? I did. Yep. I redshirted. Um, so, so Coach uh, Fry, his staff uh, obviously offered me a scholarship. Then Coach Fry retired. Um, obviously, Coach Ferentz was they um, extended the, the the same invitation for the scholarship. So I was the first year under Coach Ferentz in that staff. Uh, came in as a red shirt. I think I weighed in at 242 pounds, I believe. You know, drank a whole bunch of water because they, they had told me we need you heavy, heavy. You know, gain weight, gain weight. And um, kind of knew going into that year, I was going to redshirt. Obviously, it was a new staff, kind of a rebuilding year. Um, that year, they had me at tight end. Um, I played, you know, my whole redshirt year as uh, practice as a tight end. And then uh, was a tight end going into my freshman year after my redshirt actually started four games at tight end. And then they made the move to uh, tackle after we had some injuries. And what was it like gaining uh, all of that weight, you know, going from this, you know, like you said, you went in around 240, gaining weight, gaining weight. What was like your goal point, you know, like the weight that you were, they wanted you to get to and what was the the process of gaining all that weight like? Yeah, it was, I mean, it, it was pretty much to say you need to gain weight. This is how you do it. Um, you know, they said, you're going to be able to put it on. You're not doing, you know, uh, four different sports. You're going to train, obviously, for one sport. But, you know, I remember, you know, going to breakfast before class and eating so much that I got on the bus. So I'd walk to class. It was just, you know, I would gorge myself because, you know, they said, you need to put weight on. And, you know, when I would leave the training facility, I'd take the protein shakes. And, and you know, Coach Doyle told me, like, hey, if you wake up in the middle of the night to – to go to the bathroom, drink some shakes, you know, have them by your bed. And, and I did, I took it seriously. Um, Cause that's, you know, I, I wanted to, to, you know, play and I wanted to, to gain the weight and I knew they knew what they were doing. So yeah, it was, it was crazy. I mean, I, I think after my freshman or after my redshirt year, I was up to like 275, 280. Um, you know, there was some massive jumps, but you know, you look at, you know, the weight training, you look back at it and it's like, Oh, wow, it was a ton of weight, but it was also, I mean, I was, you know, super you know six seven super tall super skinny real big broad shoulders and I finally got in a program that was you know a, a division one uh, you know strength and conditioning program you know the right training and it was you know it was a lot of work it was eat 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 but eat the right stuff in the training and it just kind of you know I made those big jumps it was you know to 275 or so then it was the 295 then the 305 and then the 320 it was kind of a let's say a three-year process um, that got me up to that, you know, my playing weight, which was, you know, 315 to 320. And we obviously know very, you know, successful career at the University of Iowa. And I kind of want to jump in then to the whole NFL, the process, the combine, everything behind that, because I was doing some, some deep uh, research and I was coming across some funny things um, through the combine. And it's a lot different than nowadays. Uh, one of the things I came upon was you were asked in the process, would you rather be a dog or a cat? Yeah, they, uh, it, it is. It's, um, you know, it's, I mean, I get it. It's, uh, it's a bizarre thing to say the least. You're a young, you know, 18, 19, 20 year old kid. And, you know, obviously some of these teams in my instances, we're going to pay you, you know, millions of dollars. Um, 
and they want to test, you know, how you think, um, uh, your thought process. Some of the stuff was very, you know, you wonder, you know, they had psychologists in there. So things like that. And it's like, what, you know, what is this? And it's like, I want to be a dog. So I think dogs are tougher than cats. You know, I, it's, it was, it was a learning experience, right? Some of the, I remember I had an interview at the, uh, combine and one of the, the, uh, uh, head coaches for a team, you know, interviewed me and he was kind of like, you know, kind of, uh, you know, I think trying to intimidate me. Um, that was part of their interview process. And, and, oh, so you're not, you know, you think you're a good leader. And, oh, so to me, that sounds like you're not a good leader. And I, I remember picking my chair up and sitting down, getting six inches from his face and, you know, explaining because they, you know, they want to mess with your mind to see how you react. And, and part of it, um, I get because they are going to pay you a lot of money and they want to see how you know, you're going to handle things. Uh, but some of it, you just wonder, like, what, what are they getting? What information are they getting from this question or this survey they're having me fill out? So it was uh, it was bizarre, to say the least. It was, you know, you think it's all about football and about what you do. And it's not. Um, but it's also like some of the stuff you just, you know, you got to be who you are. You can't fake it. They're going to, you know, it, it's all over the board. Some of them just ask normal football questions. And then there's. There was a psychologist in one and they're messing, trying to mess with you to, uh, to, you know, you know, change your wording on what you were saying. And it was, um, um, yeah, needless to say, it was a, a very a unique experience. And I want to ask, um, you chose to perform at the combine and, you know, obviously going in, you're projected to be a high draft pick and around, you know, today, even back then, when you're a high, even when you're projected that high, you, you kind of opt out. Why did you opt into performing at the combine? You know, at that time, I, I didn't really have anything to hide. Um, you know, I know they say you can hurt yourself, but I was, I think I was confident in what I could do. I mean, I knew I could run fast. I knew I was strong. Um, and, you know, I didn't, you know, I wanted to show that I, I would do anything. Right. I mean, I think that's part of like being tough minded. Oh, I'm only going to work out it at my pro day. Well, no, I want to, you know, they want to see that you can work out in, in extenuating circumstances. You know, I, um, you know, and everything didn't go as planned. You know, I think uh, all the running went well, you know, it's stressful. You're two days of meetings and physicals and you're not at peak performance to do the running and the jumping. I did very well. The, the bench press um, there, the strength coach that was running that was a stickler on, you had to pause and lock your arms out and pause and, and I didn't, so he didn't count like eight of my reps, you know? So I was disappointed and I was like, you know what? I still did it, um, you know? And then I went back to my pro day and I, uh, you know, did it over the top how they wanted. I paused on every single one. Um, I had nothing to hide there. Um, could it have been better there? Yes, but I also, in my mind was showing that, hey, you know, throw me in what, you know, you wanna have a stay up all night and go work out, I'll do it. You know, I have nothing, I'm not a, prima donna I don't need perfect circumstances and that was kind of my reasoning on like hey whatever whatever I can do I'm gonna do it can you talk about some of the the teams that first initiate like initiated a, a connection with you that that showed interest you know honestly the Raiders didn't really talk to me very much at all um I don't even remember I don't recall if I had an interview with them um I don't I may have at the combine uh they didn't have me out to any Pete pre-draft visits um you know the Giants that year were at number four um coach Coughlin was a head coach he came to Iowa City and had dinner with me and met with me um you know there were some later picks uh that that had contacted me so you know that everyone was kind of pretty close to the vest on what they were looking at I had you know some meetings but it wasn't you know I wasn't getting flown all over the country I think it was um kind of knowing that I was going to go in the top, you know, five to seven, you know, um, so it was kind of most of, I think most of those teams, um, some of those teams, some didn't talk to me. Um, like I said, the Raiders really didn't talk that much. I think I did interview at the combine, but nothing really after that. And I kind of surprised me. I hadn't heard much from them, um, nor my agent. So yeah, it's all, it's a chess game. You know, they're all trying not to give, uh, give away who they're going to pick. And it was, it was fun. Obviously you're a, college kid young kid and you know you got these NFL head coaches coming in and you come in Iowa City taking you to dinner and um but it was just you know I just kind of rolled with it and and uh you know showed who I was and I and I read you know talking to all these coaches you always got you know their team apparel and you said it always well, like winded up in your younger brother's hands he would always be stealing it from you and wearing it is that true <laughs> 
Yeah, and I was, I mean, it was like in high school, you know, I'd go to these visits. I took a official visit to Northwestern uh, in high school and I bought a hat there, you know, uh, I came home from that and then I was so pumped up, you know, because they offered me a scholarship. And then, you know, I, you know, then after Purdue, Joe Taylor came to my high school, offered me a scholarship. So then I was, you know, ah, gave, gave that hat to my brother. Now I'm a Purdue fan. Um, it was the same with the NFL stuff. You know, they bring you gear and you're a, you know, a poor college kid. I didn't have anything. Um, you know, I had enough stuff, but you're getting NFL gear. You know, it's pretty cool. And, and, you know, I'd wear this stuff for a while and not know what's going to go on. So I had all this stuff. And then by the time the draft came around, you know, I had all this gear that, that, uh, you know, my little brother got, cause it was, you know, I couldn't be wearing stuff from another team. <laughs> and now the, the big day where, before we get into the draft, where does the draft sit as, an accomplishment in your life is it is it up there no I, I would have to say it's it's pretty high up there at that uh, point in time you know obviously I set out you know I didn't go to college thinking I'm gonna go to the NFL I had no no clue quite honestly my uh the way I taught me and my brothers and sisters it was like one year at a time one day at a time I was not the kid like oh I got a full ride to Iowa I'm going to the NFL uh, honestly until my after my junior year um I had no clue I wanted I just wanted to the best at what I was doing at that point. I hadn't really thought that far ahead um, to think, oh, I'm going to, you know, be a top, top 10 pick, you know, in my junior year. It was just like, I got to be the best like every year. You know, I got moved to tackle, got my rear end handed to me a few times after coming from tight end to, to tackle. And it's like, I got to be better. I got to be better. Um, so to get to the draft, it was finally a time, you know, there was a little bit of a break. It was like waiting to know where I was going to go. And I mean, it was pretty obviously surreal. So I'd say it was one of the, the at that point in my life, one of the, you know, uh, higher things on my list. And even now, I mean, it's pretty cool to, to, to build up, um, you know, to work all the work I put into, you know, to get to that point, to be, you know, invited to New York for the draft, you know, little small town, uh, small town kid from Iowa. It was pretty cool. My family went. It's just it was so out of our norm, and I was like, I, I'd love to experience this with my family. So it was a, an experience I'll never forget, an accomplishment that, you know, I as my career at Iowa went on, it was my goal to be the best there was uh, that I could be, and the you know the best there was always shooting to be better than everyone else, and to finally sit back, you know, at the, at the college level and be like, oh wow, I, I kind of accomplished this um, uh, as much as I could. Um, and now it's just to wait and see what happens. And now talk about the moment, hearing the commissioner, you know, with the second overall pick, the Oakland Raiders select Robert Gallery. What was the moment like? What was going through your head? Where were you? Who was the first person to call you? Kind of just talk about that whole moment. Yeah, we were actually, so my whole family, uh, we, we went to New York for the draft. Um, it was just something I, at that point, thought, oh, wow, this would be, you know, once-in-a-lifetime thing. Wanted we'll wanted to experience it. We were sitting in the green room, and, you know, we had no idea. We were nervous. My family was around the table, my agent. And then, um, you know, I didn't really, honestly, didn't have any thought that Oakland would take me. I didn't. They hadn't talked to me. Um, there was very little discussion. And then my agent's phone rang, you know, after the first pick, and, you know, I could hear him and I heard him say, well, well, you know, we'll get him into camp on time. We will. And I'm like, I kind of looked at him like, oh, wow, like that's this pick, you know, and then, you know, he kind of nod and, and then, you know, they, the phone rings at the table and it's, uh, you know, it was uh, uh, Mr. Davis was on the phone and then the line coach talked to me and it was, uh, you know, it was just one of those things that's so, you know, I'll never forget it because it was, you know, they tell you, all right, you get the phone call. You know, they had told us how it was going to, the process was going to go. Once you get the phone call, then you go on the stage, you hold up the jersey. Well, the line coach talked to me forever, you know, so they're like, come on, come on. But I'm like, these dudes just picked me in the second pick. I'm not going to hang up or tell the line coach I got to go or Mr. Al Davis, you know, so then I was late getting out on the stage and it was like, I didn't even get to hug my parents and everybody at the table because they're like, let's go, let's go, let's go. And then it finally, once I got the jersey and it was a whirlwind. And then finally we got down after that. And it was like, uh, you know, it was like, then it was a celebration. Everything was just so fast before that, that it was like, let's go here. Come on. They're, they're pulling you every which way. Do this interview, do this. And then finally it was like, holy cow, that just happened. So it was, uh, yeah, it was, it was quick and surreal. And then finally afterwards it was like, oh, wow. I got to sit there and think like, this just, this just really happened. Kind of talk about, you know, the 2004 draft class is one of the, goes down as one of the most talented draft classes out of all of the NFL with, you know, quarterbacks all across the board. 
what was like the the whole class like in overall in general you know it was fun we were all you know I hadn't you know I was a little bit traveled because of you know my brother you know I was I'd been around other you know high caliber athletes I was hanging out in the dorms with you know Tim Dwight and Jared DeVries when I was a, in junior high um, but you know being around other guys like that at point to be at their level and it was it was a good class you know Larry Fitzgerald um, you know all these award shows I did uh, Ben Roethlisberger Philip Rivers Eli Manning you know it was uh, we were all kids you know at that point there wasn't you know there were some guys that had more vigos than others but for the most part everyone was just you know young hungry college kids that you know didn't really know what was going on yet and um it was a fun process because you're meeting guys from different walks of life um sean andrews was another lineman you know guy that you know didn't know much about a small white guy from iowa and i didn't know where he was from you know it's just it, it was pretty cool it's pretty eye-opening and you know everyone was pretty innocent still at that point so that part of it is some some good friendships and and then as you look on, you know, 20 years later, you know, there's still guys that you run into. And it's like yesterday that we were sitting on the bus with our cheap suits on, you know, <laughs> waiting for the draft. And after the phone call, how soon did they want you to be in Oakland? What, like, did you have to pack up like the next day or what kind of was the process um, getting to Oakland? No, uh, normally right afterwards, usually they fly you out and do the whole uh, un of their pick but because I was in New York and it was clear in California they just wanted me it was another week or two uh, before the uh, I believe it was another week and then it was a um, uh, mini camp so they said hey we're not gonna have you fly clear out here just to take pictures we'll do all that when you come out in a week for the mini camp so I actually flew back to Iowa uh, trained until that mini camp and then did all of that stuff um, you know when I went out for that mini camp and then um, you can't report till, you know, the graduation day. So after that mini camp, I flew home and then I was um, back in Iowa for a couple months until uh, the calendar year of the university was over. And then I could go out there. I packed my stuff, went out and then started the offseason program when I was able to live out there. And when you got to camp, who were some of like the first players to like, you know, say, hey, what's up? I heard you're the, you know, the, new, the newest rookie. Um, you know, it's, there, there's a lot of older vets on that team, you know, they give you a hard time and all you're the big, you know, the big shot that, you know, just, you know, some of these guys you idolize, right? Rich Gannon was there, Jerry Rice, uh, Tim Brown, you know, guys that I idolized. And I'm a 19, 20 year old kid, you know, like, yeah, I was drafted high, but in my mind, I didn't really have a big ego. It wasn't like, look at me, I'm walking in to take over this place. It was like, holy cow, like there's Jerry Rice, right? Like there's Rich Gannon. Um, so those guys were great. There was a lot of uh, great older guys like that. And then there's guys that, you know, like to give the young new kid a hard time. Um, but for the most part, it was an awesome experience. Everybody was welcoming. And I really, um, I had a lot of key vets, you know, Kerry Collins was there, um, guys that really took you under wing and like, hey, here, here's how we do it. This is what's expected of you. Uh, and we're going to do it right. And, you know, if you need help, let me know. Were, did you have to do like any like rookie punishments, you know, carry somebody's pads or something like that when, when you first got there? Yeah, they do all that. I mean, some teams are worse than others. I talked to other guys on other teams that had it worse than I did. But, yeah, you know, some of the older vets, they leave their pads and helmet on the field. You have to carry that off. And then uh, as the season started, we'd uh, myself and the other Jake Grove, the other rookie offensive lineman, we had to buy food uh, for the plane. When we flew out, um, there was a rookie dinner. Um, we actually did mine in train before training camp. You know, I took all the offensive linemen out, you know, and I didn't have any, I didn't even sign a contract at that point point. had no money, you know, and it's a, four, five, $6,000 bill, you know, between, you know, limos and, and all you can eat and drink meal. And I'm like, I, I have no money. I need to sign a contract yet. And I'm, you know, you're nervous and, and it's just something you do. And then you realize that I know guys in other teams that had, I mean, it's ridiculous to think about it, but had 10, 20, $30,000 bills for taking, you know, it's, but it's kind of part of the deal and no one was overboard and it was just kind of one of those things you do, you get over it. And then, you know, every year after that, I enjoyed the, the free meal from any rookie that we had. And now I want to, you mentioned, you know, signing your contract and everything. I kind of want to talk to you. What was the first thing after you signed the contract that you bought for yourself personally? 
how did like the money really like, you know, change your lifestyle? You know, honestly, it never did for a lot of years. Um, you know, I had a, a buddy, uh, a good friend of mine that came, it was a, a veteran came from Denver, uh, had played at Denver for six or seven years and came to Oakland. And I was, I think five, five years in, uh, at that point. And he, you know, he laughed how cheap I was because I never, you know, I never, I, I knew that that money could go away. I knew the job could go away and I never, you know, you obviously buy things for yourself, but there was never, you know, it took a few years to be like, Hey, you can afford to like go splurge on something that doesn't necessarily make sense. You know what I mean? And, uh, so it was, there was never a big purchase. I mean, just the sticker shock of my rookie year buying a home in California. You know, I come from Iowa and, you know, a, a starter home is a million dollars. And I'm like, oh, you know, I couldn't believe it. I'm like, they're just trying to take advantage of me. Like, no, like you're 800,000 to a million dollars for a home. And it's, you know, stuff like that was like, oh my Lord. And it wasn't an extravagant home, right? It was a 3,500 square foot in a neighborhood. You know, this is not something you see on cribs. Um, so, you know, I just think the shock of where I grew up kind of that kept me grounded. And I, and I also knew that it could end at any point. I knew I could get injured. Um, you know, my goal, you know, once I had made it was like, I need, you know, I, when I'm done, I want to be able to be done and do what I want to do, not have to go get a job, um, you know, to, to rely on, uh, for my food, you know, do something fun. But, um, so honestly it was, you know, I, after a few years in, I got a couple cars, you know, finally bought an old, uh, Lincoln, his sixties Lincoln continental. I'd always loved those suicide door cars. So I think four or five years in, I bought one of those and, but it wasn't expensive, right. It was something that I, you know, fixed up a little bit. Um, so there was never, never for me that moment that like, well, oh, like, let's just go crazy. You know, I wasn't into jewelry. I wasn't, you know, we'd spend a little more on dinner and, and drinks, you know, go out to eat. But, it, you know, it was stuff like that, pay for my family. I think that was, for me, the the biggest thing that, oh, hey, I can I can fly my parents out for every game if they want to. Those were the things that I was like, oh, wow, I've, I've you know, made it financially and I can do this because I, you know, I, as a thank you to them, like any, any flight you want to come out, I got the flight and hotel for you. You know, those I think were the big, you know, the big moments for me. And with that, you know, you often see, you know, these athletes that, you know, get all this millions and millions of dollars of money and then they spend it all, they splurge. And then after their career, they're just left with nothing. And you said, you always kind of had that in the back of your mind. You didn't want to be like that. So you said you, you spent your money wisely instead of like, you know, all those crazy, you know, cars, jewelry, you know, clothing and stuff like that. Yeah, no, that was a big thing. I mean, I might, my, my the first week I was there, I was one of the players who was a high pick um, a few years before me. Um, he, I was in the, sit, sitting in the hot tub, got talking to him, you know, trying to pick his brain. I knew he was a, a high pick um, before me. And, and, you know, he made the comment about, you know, people are always asking him for money. And, uh, you know, he bought a family member a house and they were complaining it wasn't big enough. And I'm just like, oh my Lord, like this stuff happens. And, you know, another older vet, a uh, much older vet that, you know, is like, make sure you put the money away. You know, I didn't, once I got to my second contract, I had spent all my money. So there were some, some life lessons that guys had told me about, and it was just more my upbringing. Um, you know, it was like, you work hard, you save it. Um, and I wanted to be, you know, financially set when I was done. So it was one of those that I, you know, I, I wasn't into partying. I wasn't into, you know, taking private jets and that stuff, stuff like probably could have done but it was like oh no no it was still the you know drinking Coors Light and going to the little hole in the wall bar for eats and drinks and it was nothing it wasn't my style to be flashy and you know to go to Vegas and gamble and do all this stuff um it was one of those things it's like man I'm, I'm lucky to be in this position you hear enough about those guys that you know get taken advantage of or lose it all and it's like I don't want to be one of those guys to be done and you know hurt or not get you know however long you play and then you're trying to get a job, it's it just, to me, that would be devastating all the, the work you put in. So it was more of that in the back of my mind. Right on. And now I want to talk about Oakland as a, as a place, because obviously it's a very different from Iowa. <laughs> what was, you know, seeing the fans, how crazy, how serious they take 
the, their, their Raiders football team. Um, what were your kind of first impressions of, you know, seeing Oakland fans living in Oakland and uh, comparing that back to uh, small town Iowa? Yeah, I mean, it was eye-opening, right? I didn't, I didn't know much about that part of the country. Obviously, there's like any place, you know, where, where I grew up, it's farm country in a little tiny town. And, you know, we didn't have, uh, you know, the, the, you know, the, the rough part of town or the, you know, like these big cities do. So I was naive on that aspect. Um, you know, I, I remember getting gas, you know, when the first week I was there, I had my old four-door Buick LeSabre that I had in college out there, pulled in this gas station right off the freeway. And, you know, not a, a, the greatest neighborhood um, and a, when an older player pulled in, he's like, what are you doing here? And I'm like, I'm getting gas. It's the cheap, you know, you know, where I'm from, you get the, get the cheapest gas, you know, you drive there. And he's like, yeah, I'll wait with you. There's not too many, you know, people like you in this neighborhood. And I was like, oh, wow. Okay. I'm, you know, I was, I was just naive. Um, you know, it was not that anything would have happened, but he was, you know, he was a, uh, African-American guy player. And he's like, yeah, there's not, you know, I, you don't see too many, you know, he said, as he said it, too many white boys pull in through this gas station. And I was, oh, okay. You know, I was naive, right? You know, everybody was nice. And I, I didn't know any better. So I think, you know, the big city life, I learned a lot about that. But, you know, I met so many nice people The you know, we lived 20 miles from Oakland, but the fans, I mean, it was a working class. That's what I loved about the Raiders. It was the fans were all working class. I mean, you know, some of these people were doctors and lawyers, but a lot of these people went to everyday blue collar jobs, um, spent their money on the weekends to, to come to the games. And they're very passionate about it with the outfits and the makeup and, and just passionate in general. So that part of it was awesome. It's, it's great to be, uh, you know, playing at a place that, you know, people are excited. Obviously, they have high expectations. When things aren't going well, they'll be the same ones that boo you and, you know, cuss at you. But that's that's part of the fun of it. It was somewhere that's like, it's not a, you know, like I say, like when we played Michigan, you know, everybody in, sitting in the stands with their sweaters on and their hands crossed, right? It was loud and, uh, you know, you didn't wear other other colors in Oakland. Like you didn't. I told my parents, you know, it's like when you go to Philadelphia, don't wear my Raiders stuff at Philadelphia because those fans are known to throw stuff at you. And, you know, that part of it's a little overdone, but that's kind of the way it was. And, you know, it's kind of cool. And those those people are backing you. So it was, uh, you know, I love Oakland. I still uh, know a lot of people there and just the, the city itself. It was, you know, that, that city came alive for those football games. And that's that's pretty cool. And now I got to ask about the hair. You know, you're, you're obviously got to cut short. When you know, when did you start to embrace the long hair? If you go to the internet and you see pictures of you, you have these long, luscious locks. So yeah, when did that kind of, when did you start to embrace the hair? When did it kind of, did you first grow it out, I guess? <laughs> uh, that was probably my, you know, my second year of college, honestly. One, because, you know, I didn't really have the money to pay for a haircut. You know, all my whole childhood, my mom cut my hair. You know, she, you know, and I was always high and tight, you know, shaved the sides and faded up. But, you know, I didn't have my mom there. You know, I'm like, I'm not paying whatever, $8 or $10 to get a haircut. And then as, you know, just kind of grew into that as I gained weight, I got bigger and I'm, you know, started growing my hair out because one, I didn't want to pay for it. And, and then, and, you know, then it just kept going and then got longer and, you know, kind of grew into uh, my personality and same, you know, into the pros. It was you know, kind of what I was, you know, known for, obviously, in college, and it wasn't, you know, it wasn't me doing it to get noticed, it was just, like, something, oh, I can, you know, this is something I'm different, it's, um, you know, I don't know, it was never a, a planned out thing, it was just something that, uh, that I did in college, and it was um, kind of like, this is who I am, a little wild and crazy, and, and uh, quite honestly, it started because I, I was too cheap to go pay to get a real haircut. That's that's what I was gonna say. You know, with the long hair, the tattoos, I feel like it kind of just fit perfectly with the name, and you really played, you know, that I guess character in a sense. Because uh, I don't know, I I was I was pulling up like highlights and videos of you, and you know, you'd see this long haired tattoo guy get a big hit, and I was just like, this just fits with with the name Robert Gallery. Yeah. And, you know, honestly, one of the guys that I watched, probably you think of like, you, you see it somewhere. Right. And, you know, when I was in college, um, you know, Kyle Turley, you know, it was a offensive lineman for the Rams and the, the, you know, he was kind of the guy that I looked up to. I had a saints 
a Saints jersey made with my, you know, my Iowa number on it and my name on it. I still have it, you know, because I was like, this dude's nuts in a good way, right? Long hair, tattooed, like crazy. He didn't put up with anything um, when he was playing. And that was kind of, you know, who I saw myself as, you know, in college. Like, I don't, you know, even as a freshman, I wasn't cocky, you know, but I, you know, I would race Aaron Campman and, and beat him in sprints in the off season. And, you know, he, he, talk jive and I, you know I I wouldn't back down from anything so the the you know Kyle Turley is a guy that you know I kind of you know I loved his attitude you know he protect his quarterback I ripped his you know a helmet off of uh Damian Robinson in a pro game one time because he was cranking on his quarterback and I'm like that's that's a dude who takes takes care of his guy takes care of his running back his quarterback and and so that was that was probably part of it and it just kind of grew from there it's like no you're gonna you gotta be a got to be a little bit nuts to, uh, to do the things we do. And, and, you know, um, and I actually know Kyle now I'm after, uh, I didn't know him then, but since then, since I retired, I've connected with him and, um, told him that I was like, dude, I got your Jersey. Right. And, you know, he's like, oh, I'm a big fan of yours. So it's, it's pretty cool, you know, to, to come full circle that way. Yeah. I picked, I, I found a video on the web and it was you, it was against the Seahawks and, Chris Clemens, you, you went up, it was a pitch outside or something and you hit him out of bounds. And then, you know, he came back and pushed you and the second man always gets flagged. I kind of chuckled at, uh, at that moment. That was kind of funny. Oh yeah. I got, a, I got, the, I know exactly what you're talking about. You know, I kind of flopped a little bit cause he was, you know, I blasted him and he got mad and it was legal. Um, and I have a picture, same thing of me standing up, looking down at him. There's a lot of things, you know, times like that. They look back and it's like, you think, oh, well, I was nuts. Or I watched sealed game film and it's like, man, I was nuts at time. But that's, you know, the way you have to be when you're, you know, playing this game. And it was, uh, it was, you know, it was fun. It was fun to be that guy. It's fun to get stuff riled up and, and kind of have everybody hate you. And now I want to fast forward to the end of your career. Um, I know what really made you think about retiring I know you you signed with the Patriots in 2012 but you you didn't start the regular season with them you just chose to retire in training camp what kind of you know pushed you to make that decision yeah you know it was uh you know I think my mind and body was done at that point mostly my body um you know uh, at that that off season before you know I had uh or you know, during my year in Seattle, I had a surgery during the season. I had two surgeries after the season. You know, those were surgeries, uh, eight, nine, and 10 in my NFL career. Um, and, and my, you know, quite honestly, I, you know, went to New England and I couldn't perform. I couldn't recover from those surgeries I had uh, at Seattle after the year. Uh, you know, my mind was, was tired from the injuries, my body, I just couldn't get my body back to where it needed to be. Could I have um, made it and played another year? Maybe. Yeah. Um, uh, but I didn't, you know, it was my own choice. I said, you know, through the whole, as time went on that I would never do something that would put myself too much in danger for the future. And it was getting to that point where, you know, I was needing to take medicine to get up in the morning and go to practice and uh, the pain and, and, you know, honestly, I just couldn't perform at the level I expected myself to was a lot of the decision. And I was either going to get really hurt. Or um, for me, it was like, I, I'm going to let somebody down, you know, I'm not going to be I'm not performing like I should be. And, um, you know, at that point, I just thought it was best for my health. Um, one, I appreciated uh, New England give me a shot. I told Coach Belichick that um, when I went in, but I said, I don't, you know, I I can't do it like I did before, and I expect myself to play at a certain level, right or wrong. Um, I don't want to, you know, waste your time, or I appreciate the opportunity, but um, for me, it was the things I was needing to do to be able to go to practice and and hope to get through a practice. It was, it, it was just time, and I said, I, I, you know, throughout my career, I'd met some guys, you know, some of these old school guys that you know, didn't have the, uh, the health stuff we did as far as the trainers and that stuff, you know, the gym autos of the world that, you know, he had his leg amputated, had his knee looked like a mangled mess. And, you know, I kind of tried to promise myself I'd never let it get to that. Now that I go too long and do certain things that weren't smart. Yeah. Um, 
But at that point, I thought, oh, well, something bad's going to happen. I, you know, from concussion stuff to the surgeries. And, uh, you know, it was just, it was, I think I was mentally and physically, it was time for me and it was the right decision. Obviously, you, you missed the game of football after you made that decision. But kind of talk about, you know, what's life outside of football? You said you got kids. I know you're into classic cars. Is that correct? What yep. kind of, what's, what's uh, Robert Gallery doing now after his uh, football career? Yeah, you know, like I said, it's, uh, it's tough for a while, the first while. I mean, because that's what you did for a lot of your life, um, you know, in, in college and the pros. It's, you're very scheduled. You know, it took me a long time to get over that. You know, I was, you know, when I was with Oakland, I'd wake up at, you know, 4.35 o'clock going and lift. And, you you know, after the first year or two after I retired, it's like still getting up at that time. And, you know, you're kind of lost because your life's so structured. You get a schedule every week. And uh, so that there was a struggle in that aspect of it. But, um, you know, the blessings were that I had, um, you know, we had our second child right before uh, I signed with New England. Uh, you know, and then after that, we had our third child. So, you know, I've got three kids. Um, I love doing stuff with my kids. I can still do uh, the stuff I want to. I mean, I, I need my shoulder replaced. I can't throw a ball with my right arm, but that's, you know, I can, I can run around with them. I can't do everything I want to, but you know, my, my kids are, are, you know, what's important in my wife. Um, and then, like I said, I, I enjoy the, the classic car stuff, um, you know, buying, selling them, fixing them up you know, just cruising them, uh, you know, hanging out with other guys at car shows, you know, getting other guys that don't know anything about cars into them, helping them get to the right people. Um, you know, stuff that is, is fun. And we, I have the time to do now. Um, like you said, obviously, you know, you don't miss certain aspects of it, but you know, you don't miss, especially with kids, as you get older, you know, you don't miss being gone on Christmas uh, holidays, you know, I didn't, you know, I was so serious with football that I didn't, you know, that was my job at the time. It was all my effort into that. And, you know, you, you think back and I do it all over again. Um, but there were times where, you know, holidays, even when I had kids, it's like, no, I got to work, you know, I got I to go to practice and I got to go to bed. It's I got a game tomorrow. I was in my routine and to be at my best, I had to, you know, put off my wife and put off my, you know, my kids. And, and those are the things like they didn't expect anything different because I knew how committed I was to what I was doing, but it's nice now to, you know, go to their soccer practice, go to their student teacher conferences, you know, their recitals, the stuff that I missed when I was playing. And I, you know, I really truly enjoy that, um, that aspect and, and just being able to be a good dad and learn all the things I learned, you know, from, playing football and the different people I met throughout it. Um, you know, it's just, uh, you know, just enjoying life now. A lot of, you know, fun stuff, trying to do fun stuff, not get too worked up about stuff um, and, you know, stay healthy um, and work on ourselves as a family and snowboard and surf and do all the stuff that, you know, I couldn't do when I was playing and, and just enjoy life. Are you a good surfer? Uh, I am not an ocean surfer, but I can surf uh, the whole wake surf craze that has now where you surf behind a boat. Um, I'm okay with that. So I enjoy that. It's super easy on the body. So I'm not, a you know, my shoulders, I need to get it replaced. So I'm not, I've never surfed in the ocean because I don't think I could paddle into a wave. But when a boat pulls you up and, and you surf behind a boat, that's, it's pretty awesome. And um, one of my final questions I want to ask you, you obviously keep your ties with Iowa. I know you came back to um, talk to the East Buchanan high school football team. What's a message that you always tell those guys, you know, up and coming football players, something you've learned throughout the process that you just want to remind them of um, if they ever get that chance or just even in life in general. I think for me, the thing that helped me and that, you know, my parents instilled my brothers and sister did was that, you know, you, you just, you know, be the best you can be, you know, it wasn't, I never thought oh, I'm going to, you know, in junior high, I wasn't saying I'm going to be a professional football player. That wasn't my mindset. Mine was like, I want to be the best junior high football player I can be, you know, and I used my older brother's success to help me to get better. And even into the pros, like I said, I or into college, you know, until my, till after my junior year, when they're like, you could come out of school early and be a top 10 pick. And I'm like, what? I still got another school, a year of school left. I just didn't think like that. I was worried about being the best 
left tackle I could be in my junior year and getting ready for my senior year. So I think it's just work hard, you know, keep your mouth shut, work hard, um, put the time, do things right, uh, not only in school and in, in all aspects of your life, but just, you know, just, you know, be the best you can be by working hard. I'll, I'll work everyone. That was, you know, I wasn't the most talented in anything. I feel like I, you know, I, I worked hard and I never gave up that way. And, and, you know, the, the whole cliche thing that hard work, um, you know, beats, uh, talent when talent doesn't work hard, you know, it's, it's that sort of thing. Like you can, you can push your body past a lot more than you think. And, and just, uh, put your head down and, and don't worry about everything else. Worry about being the best you can be. Um, and, and that aspect at that time and everything else in the future will play out. Right on. And now my last question is kind of an oddball question. I want to ask you, I'm a, I'm a sports card geek and huh? uh, I have one of your autographs and I want to ask what was the, like the autograph process you know, when you were a rookie, did they give you like a sticker sheet and you had to sign them by a certain time or kind of what's, what's the product? What was the process of that? <laughs> well, it was crazy. Right. Cause you don't, you don't know all this stuff until you're thrown into it, but yeah, you get a, you know, you get paid by some of these card companies, you know, for so many signatures. Right. So yeah, either a representative would come through, meet you in a hotel, some room, hotel room somewhere. And okay. You got 5,000 cards to sign the day. And it's like, you know, I'm like, oh, you know, you got your, your signature's terrible looking, right? You know, you see all these older guys that have changed their signature. And yeah, I remember sitting on my couch, same thing, just signing, signing, signing. So it was kind of bizarre at first. Um, but, you know, then I, you know, at first you'd go real slow and make it real nice. And then after a while, you're like, okay, I need to change the signature so it's faster. So it, it changed after about two months and I've kept it that way the whole time. Cause it's like, I need to, you know, I got 3000 signatures I need to do here, you know, so I can uh, get these back to these card companies. And uh, yeah, so it's, it's, it's kind of weird. And I still have some of those cards I, uh, uh, I signed, um, you know, they give you some. So it's, it's funny to look back at those and remember the, the times in the, uh, the office or the sitting on the signing card after card after card. <laughs> right on. I just wanted to ask you that because I thought, you know, I, nowadays, um, you know, some athletes refuse to sign. Like some athletes say they're not signing anymore. I just wanted to know kind of the process, um, you know, how tiring that was back, uh, back in your day. So. Yeah, no, I think it's, it's great. I think like anything uh, with the internet and, you know, you look at it now and everybody's like, Oh, this guy's a jerk. He won't sign. Um, you know, but I, you know, I think there's like anything, the internet can ruin things and there's people that are, are looking to take advantage of these guys. Right. Like you're, you know, it's one thing it's a, if it's a kid, I've been around, you know, Jerry Rice, you know, all these guys, big, big time guys. And, you know, these people line up to get his autograph. Well, you know, the guy that has 15 and a bunch of balls in his backpack, you know, is going to sell it on eBay. Right. And then you get this little 10 year old kid who, you know, is going to hang it in his wall and is going to do it for forever. So, you know, I used to think, oh, why don't, you know, why doesn't everybody sign everything? And then when you see it, you're like, cause we'd have those guys that would wait for you. And you're like, Oh, yeah. You're pushing in front of a 10 year old kid, you know what I mean? To, to go sell it on eBay. And, you know, now I'm a jerk because I didn't sign for you, you know, so it's, it's interesting. Um, but at the end of the day, there's a lot of fans out there. You can't like anything. You can't let the, the bad eggs ruin it. But that was one thing I, I did learn through the whole process. Like, wow, this, you know, this is going to go on this kid's wall, right? Not this guy that's going to, I'm going to see it on eBay two weeks later, you know, cause he's, you know, sign it for my friend. Yeah. You know? Yeah. Right. But use this color, use this blue pen and sign it here. So it's like, come on. So yeah, it's, it's, it's interesting. I wanted, yeah. I wanted to know your opinion on that because I know other, uh, a lot of athletes have different takes on it. You know, some people will sign everything and anything, but then there's some that are like, yeah, you see those old guys budge in front of those kids you know, after Iowa games, you know, I'd stand out there forever because that's, you know, I was, I, you know, I wasn't, a, I didn't think I was a celebrity, but after the Iowa football games and signed forever, right? And it, it seemed forever, but it, 20 minutes, 30 minutes, you know, and then, you know, as I got in the league, you, you know, there's a point where you have to say no, because it's like, you know, there's a ton more people, right? And then I've been around some, you know, a good friend of mine is a very well-known, you know, he's a rock star, um, you know, lead singer of a band. And, you know, he's like just shaking hands or, you know, it's like, wow. At first you're like, oh, that's smart because the dude would be there for 
three days if he starts signing autographs. And he's like, he's trying to walk around, be a normal guy. And, you know, people took it good. Like, oh, cool, let's shake hands. So it's it's an interesting thing when you're in the position. And as long as you're nice to people, man, it's pretty cool that people want to come up and take a picture and get an autograph or shake your hand. And, and if they uh, can't understand it, then, you know, kind of is what it is. Right on. Well, I want to thank you for joining here. I know this is going to be coming out my first episode of season three. So thank you for doing this. It was exciting. It was nice to talk to you and I wish you nothing but the best and uh, help all as well. Yep. I appreciate it, man. Um, always good to talk to somebody back from the old neighborhood and, and uh, yeah, good luck with everything. Thanks for having me on and uh, um, appreciate everything. Right on. Thank you, Robert. You bet. All right, buddy. Have a good night. Yep. You too.